Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Mr. Halitech, how are you, sir? Good evening, Double A. Uh, great to be back. Uh, I wish we could do this show more than once a week. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have happened uh, in, in the NFL and with the Bears over the last seven days, and uh, we're going to get right to it. And uh, we have a special guest. He's new to the Halitech Hall family. He has a, uh, a web channel, uh, I'm sorry, a YouTube channel, channel called uh, Fai Sports Talk. Uh, Faisan Kurashi. good evening, Faiz. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much uh, for having me on, and uh, hopefully it's going to be a blast. Let's talk some bears. Let's talk bears. Uh, before we start talking bears, um, I want you to tell our listeners about your YouTube channel because there's some fascinating content on there. Yeah. You're not just all about the Bears. You you talk a lot about fantasy football, which is yeah. something that's a little well, that's a lot foreign yeah. uh, on on this podcast. We don't spend a lot of time talking about fantasy football. I've done it once in my life, and you were probably a kid the last time I did anything <laughs> in, involving involving fantasy football. So. Uh, the stage is yours. Tell us about your YouTube channel, Feist. Yeah, so uh, with my YouTube channel, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm kind of like a jack-of-all-trades where I've talked about a lot. You know, I, I talk about, obviously, the Bears. I talk about the Bulls. I talk about fantasy football. And really, you know, the channel I had started as just sort of me talking about all of those things that I liked. And um, with the Bears, it was really, obviously— the fact that I'm from Chicago and so I'm, I'm local to the city. And so I've been following the bears. And when I talked about them, those videos started to pick up a lot of traction. And when they start to pick up attraction, obviously I'm, I'm not going to sway away from that. And, uh, you know, it kind of just snowballed into this thing where people were just like, okay, we want more bears content. And so I, I decided to just put out more and more and, uh, you know, it got to a point where, you know, the season would start and I'm doing pregame, postgame videos. I'm doing, you know, every news bit and everything in between. So that's kind of uh, how I got started with my YouTube channel and uh, how it, it kind of went into that route, talking mainly about the Bears. And it's my biggest audience now by far on the channel. Awesome. And I can see why. Um, so a little bit about myself, and then I'm going to give Aaron the stage to talk about, uh, about his uh, Bear fandom. Uh, I've been a Bears fan since before either one of you were born. Uh, the first game I can remember being in, in person was 1960, 
that's six, 1965. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was eight years old, and the Bears were playing the, the uh, uh, Roman Gabriel-led uh, Los Angeles Rams, and they, they were victorious in that game. And that, that, of course, was the rookie year for both Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't at the six-touchdown game that Gail had later that year against the 49ers, but I've been hooked ever since. Uh, I can remember sitting in my basement, uh, and back in those days, back all the way until like the late 70s or maybe early 80s, you couldn't watch a Bears home game where you lived. It was blacked out in the Chicagoland area, uh, much like the Blackhawks were blacked out. Their home games were blacked out for uh, decades until uh, until Rocky Wirtz took over uh, earlier this uh, this millennium. Um, so, uh, you know, where you live, and, and uh, thank you for sharing that with me, in the northwest suburbs uh, where, and I grew up not too far from where you currently live, uh, if you saw a huge antenna tower with an antenna tower pointed <laughs> to the north, you knew you were with a, you were at looking at a Bears fan in their house because you had to pull in the Bears broadcast from from Rockford in mm-hmm. order to see it from your living room. So uh, I was a season ticket holder at the age of 17 and from 1973 through the 85 season. Uh, I grew up uh, like not too far from you in, in a little town called Hanover Park. And uh, I've, I've just been, I, 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 I tout myself as a Bears historian because of, I, I, I have a good memory and I can, I could tell you about a lot of things that I've seen. I was at the very last game I ever played at Wrigley Field when the Bears defeated the Green Bay Packers. I was at the very first regular season game uh, when they opened up Soldier Field, when they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so it's it's been a just a lifelong uh, just uh, fandom. Uh, I'm I'm hooked on the Bears. I'm a I'm a Sox fan. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a I'm not so much of a Bulls fan anymore. <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm a huge Blackhawks fan. Uh, and uh, one of these days I'll send you some pictures of my my man cave where we're we're recording this, and you would I think yeah. you would be impressed. So. Uh, that's a little bit about me uh, for, for, for you and for our listeners. And Aaron, the floor is yours. Hey, well, yeah, um, you know, I think it's always a good time to kind of reset if we have new listeners. Um, tell us, you know, tell a little bit about ourselves. And, of course, for Faison here. Um, I grew up actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And um, I have lived in Chicago for about 14 years now. Um, and... <clears throat> Growing up in Albuquerque, you basically could only get two uh, football teams, uh, which was the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos, and occasionally you would get the Raiders. So pretty much everybody in Albuquerque was a fan of one of those three teams, obviously the Broncos being the closest, uh, Raiders, which was really more of like a gang affiliation thing than a football fan situation, and um, the uh, Cowboys, of course, you know, who were the Cowboys. Um, so I basically was 
not a fan of any of those teams. My whole family's from New York, so I, I was a Giants fan by default because I would spend my summers in New York, and that's what all my uh, family members rooted for the Giants. <laughs> but probably my first early memories of football of any real type was the Bears, just because they were so big, Super Bowl shuffle, you know, the fridge, uh, Walter Payton, all that stuff. So that was kind of my first real introduction to football as anything other than, you know, those three teams that were on TV. And I mean, I said I didn't really care. I was born in 77. Um, so in 85, you know, football was like a thing, but it wasn't something I was like actively seeking out. And then Brian Erlacher was drafted by the Bears. And this is obviously in 2000. And he was a guy that in New Mexico, uh, having a player come out of UNM and go to the NFL is really rare. The only other guy previous to that, I believe, was Stoney Case. And then um, Terrence Mathis, who was kind of a, you know, flash jet um, for a while, and he would he would come and talk at our school, and Brian Erlacher would come and talk at our school when they were in college. So when Brian Erlacher gets drafted by the Bears, a whole lot of people from New Mexico became Bears fans, a whole lot, and there were already some Bears fans. So I got on that bus, uh, and then I ended up moving to Chicago um, not too long after that. Uh, so. You know, I'm stuck with them now. <laughs> um, I can't get them out of my system as much as I might try. Uh, so, you know, obviously the the Super Bowl in 2006 and all those teams, um, you know, Erlacher on. And um, so, yeah, that's that's how I uh, became a fan of the beloved. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'll just be real quick. Um... I don't have the the history that uh, I know you guys have had, uh, but uh, I've I've grown up in Chicago all my life, so just by virtue of that, I've I've always rooted for the hometown team. So with the Bears, it was it wasn't even like an option not to like. I've always um, been a Bears fan, um, but yeah, like the, the fondest memory I had was like you brought up the 2006 Super Bowl, Devin Hester opening a kickoff return, and and just, since then I feel like it's just been like a just a journey for me to try to follow this team so we could get back to the promised land. But honestly, like, uh, that's, that's been the start for me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been great. And I, I know like the bears have, you know, one Super Bowl, but a lot of people don't know that this is such a storied franchise, the most hall of famers, the most retired numbers. It, it's crazy. So i uh, very proud to be a bears fan. We uh, we actually try to educate our our, our fan base uh, about the the Bears whose jerseys have been retired. In fact, after our segment, we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're getting towards the end of, of our list. We're we're all the yeah. all the way up to number 66 in Bulldog Turner. Oh. So uh, so I hope when uh, when the uh, the podcast goes live sometime tomorrow or Friday that uh, you'll, you'll listen in, and, and uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'm going to ask you a, a favor, Fies. Uh, yeah. give, us a, give us a plug on, on your uh, YouTube channel so we can get some extra listeners because our, our sponsor, uh, TickSplits.com, has given us two tickets, uh, the option of two tickets for the Packers-Bears Bears home game. 
either in 2020 or 2021, and we are going to be giving those to a, one of our followers as soon as we hit 1,000 followers on our, on, our, on, our, uh, on our Twitter feed at Halitech Hall. So uh, uh, maybe we can have a great relationship going here, and I'll tout you, and you can tout us, and uh, let's get us both uh, uh, some exponential growth with our Bears followers. No, absolutely. Uh, the second this podcast goes live, uh, just uh, you know, tweet me the link, and then obviously I can I can blast it out to all my uh, subscribers, and then obviously, always love to love to give uh, uh, you know some publicity and some notoriety to any any local uh, you know Bears podcast, Bears fandom that I can do. So tick tick splits might even find a way to get you a couple of tickets to a Bears game. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I, I tell you what, um, you know, talking about the Bears, a lot of things have been happening around the league with COVID. And uh, one thing that started to start leaking out over the past week is teams are beginning to announce whether or not fans will be allowed into stadiums this year and how many fans will be allowed. Uh, we haven't heard definitively yet from the, from the Bears. Uh, we haven't heard definitively yet from the, our, our neighbors to the north, uh, but I believe Baltimore was one that just came out saying that they're going to allow fans in the stadium, but they're going to limit it to 14,000. So what they've done is they've deferred all season ticket holders uh, their tickets till next year. And I'm, I'm assuming it'll be on a first come first serve basis until the 14,000 tickets are sold. So uh, um, give me your thoughts as to if you've heard anything about what Chicago is going to be doing for their fan base and any, anybody going to be allowed into the stadium in Chicago uh, and what you've heard from other teams around the league. Sure. So I'll start with the Bears. Um, I don't have anything concrete in terms of uh, what the Bears are planning on doing, but I have heard that uh, I think they're allowing people to defer their season tickets for this year. I, I did hear that as a possibility. Again, not confirming anything, but uh, uh, overall though, as a league, I'll be honest with you, I've been very concerned, not that we won't have a season, I, I absolutely think we will, but concerned with the NFL's I should say lack of preparation with how they're going to deal with this uh, situation. Uh, you take a look at like a league like the NBA. I mean, they've planned, you know, how they're going to do this bubble and how they're not going to have fans. And I feel like the NFL is kind of being reactive instead of being proactive. And they're kind of just saying, okay, well, we'll kind of take it up until, you know, a few weeks till the season. And now it's like, okay, two preseason games. Okay. Maybe we won't have a preseason. So I feel like they're kind of just doing this on the fly and uh, I obviously haven't been a fan of that. Uh, but if you ask me um, in terms of fans at stadiums, I, I would lean more on the doubtful side. Uh, but I still do think absolutely we will have a season. Yeah, I totally agree, Faison. I think they are doing it on the fly. But I don't know if I really blame them so much for that because I feel like I don't know how proactive you can be. Mm -hmm. um, I, I sort of – we keep hearing this – you know, people mention, oh, look at the Premier League, look at this and that. 
I mean, and, and, and I don't know how much anyone is looking at those things. I mean, I think even the people who are saying that, I don't know if they've even looked at how they're doing it. The one thing I do know is that most of the countries that we're talking about with Premier League and that kind of thing have this a whole lot more under control than we do. So I feel like the NFL is being reactive because that's the the boat that we're in, which is a lot of unpredictability um, in a lot of regions. And, you know, you would you could argue that Illinois has it better under control than a lot of other places, but yeah. they're also they're leaning heavily on the caution side of things. And I think that that's going to mean it is extremely unlikely there are going to be fans in Soldier Field this year. They have already canceled every single summer activity mm -hmm. in the park, in the city. There are no street festivals. There is no Taste mm -hmm. of Chicago. There is no Lollapalooza. There is nothing happening in Grant Park. I think they might get to the point where they're going to reopen the aquarium and maybe a couple of museums if they get there with very limited, you know, capacity and social distancing and all that. But I just I have a hard time imagining that, you know, happening just the way it's trending. But what I think is wild, and I, I didn't know the full details of this, Mike, but so the season ticket holders are basically getting shut out. Like they they have no preferential uh, 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 access to these fourteen thousand seats in Baltimore. Is that the case? I I don't know. Oh. And that's a that's a great question. I don't know if because uh, it seems they're like that going would, to, if they're going to have first dibs, as it were. Uh, seems I like that know. would make people really pissed if they didn't get mm -hmm. that. Oh sure, I do know in Seattle. Seattle season ticket holders were given the option of having two tickets for half the regular season games or one ticket to each of the eight regular season games, but that's Seattle. So that, that's the only, you know, the Baltimore 14,000 seat limit and the Seattle opportunity is, are the only two things that I've been able to, to find so far. And, you know, it's like, you know, like Fai said, this is uh, this is uncharted territory, and and yeah, the league is kind of playing it um, one day at a time, and and I guess I can understand why because if uh, if suddenly you know the, the the curve is flattened and these spikes go away uh, in these uh, in these states that all of a sudden had these severe spikes going on with this with the, uh, the, the the reemergence of COVID, um, who knows what's going to happen? You know, it's, but you know, I'm sure that they're going to they're going to have to do some things like make 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 uh, everybody wear a mask going into the stadium. Uh, I hope that they don't do what the Milwaukee Brewers and the Oakland Raiders are doing, and that's uh, send in a picture. And we'll put in a cardboard cutout in a in a seat for you. Um, it, that's the most hysterical thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I see. I've seen that uh, with like other leagues, I think, in Europe and what as well. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, I don't know how the players feel about that, but I'm sure they uh, they they would rather do without for sure. <laughs> the uh, Oakland Raiders. Um, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the Oakland Athletics, the funny thing about that, they were the first to talk about these cutouts. 
and uh, they're actually doing something interesting that if your if your cutout gets hit by a foul ball during the season, they're going to get the ball and mail it to to that person. Oh, wow. which is which is kind of interesting. It's it's a little way to to, to I guess rev up some additional revenue. Um, the Brewers uh, did only 500. They they limited the, mm. the cutouts to 500, and uh, believe it or not, they sold out in less than six hours. Wow. Wow, that is crazy. Um, it it's something interesting. I think the NFL could definitely look into it. But like I said, I I, I think. They just I just want to hear a plan from the NFL, from Roger Goodell. Um, I know it's hard right now, and everybody, I feel like, is taking it day by day. Um, but uh, I think it would just make us as fans and, and everybody feel a little better if if we kind of just heard some, some things about what they're planning on doing. You're absolutely that, right. I just thought of something, though. I think the reason why you will not hear that is because what happens every time something leaks about a plan? <laughs> It gets shredded. It gets shredded, yeah. Every single thing that leaks gets ripped to shreds <laughs> on Twitter, every medium, every enough there is nothing to talk about. They, we are so starved that we made Patrick Mahomes getting a $500 million unguaranteed contract into like 48 hours of talk radio. I mean, that's yeah. how... That's how starved we are. So I don't blame the NFL at all. Now, I'm not necessarily giving the benefit of the doubt and telling them that they have that plan. But what I think they must have to have is a, is four plans. <laughs> and Mike has already gone into detail on multiple episodes talking about how the schedule would work if games started to get canceled. So they do have some contingency in place for that. The, the thing that I think you, you would have to have is you have to have, okay, a plan for 25% capacity, 50% yep. capacity, 75% capacity. They've got all that stuff, but they're not going to leak it because it's just it's it's like throwing chum in the water to sharks. And that's what I think. And if they don't have those plans, then shame on them. But um, you know, and then of course they're watching the tire fire that is the MLB's handling of all of this. Yep. You know, and that was that's a that you know. So they they are lucky that they just signed that labor agreement. I mean, can you imagine if the NFL had no labor agreement right mm-hmm. now, trying to have a COVID uh, season? It <laughs> would be Lord. it would be worse than the than the MLB. Yep. You'd have like replacements players. You'd have scab NFL during the COVID. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what it would be like. So they're so lucky that that thing narrowly passed or we'd be on an MLB times two disaster alert for this for this negotiation. Hey, I lived through the uh, the season of replacement players back in the, the, the late 80s. Uh, believe it or not, uh, the head coach for the uh, New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, was a member of the Bears replacements. I'm not oh, sure wow. If either, not sure if either. I know that. Knew that, but yeah, Sean Payton was was a quarterback for the Bears. Uh, the scabs, as they were, uh, that year they they missed one game, so they only played a 15 game season, uh, and then they they dressed these replacement players, and then uh, you know a group of veterans said enough is enough, and they. Uh, broke ranks and basically ended the strike. So uh, a little quick history about that. 
the you know we we've talked about this uh, uh, preseason issue that's going on and and uh, you know this kind of ties right in with with what Aaron just said about things leaking. It was leaked that the NFL had sent a proposal to the NFL Players Association to eliminate two of the preseason games. Mm -hmm. And everybody was all excited that there's going to be two games. Uh, you know, they were going to eliminate the first preseason game and the fourth preseason game. Uh, they sent it to the NFLPA, and all of a sudden, the Players Association jammed on the brakes and said, wait a minute, we don't think it's safe to play any preseason games. And, and, and I can understand that. Why mix in this metaphor world that we're talking mm -hmm. about COVID bubbles, why mix bubbles until you have to during the regular season? I, I completely agree. Um, when they when I when the leaked information came out about the two preseason games, I was actually happy because I'm not a big preseason guy. I, I, I never knew why they needed four games in college. You don't need any games for preseason, so they get away with it. So two games was perfect for me, but then obviously you hear the NFLPA saying they want to get rid of it, and I can't blame them because, again, if we're talking about a time like this, which is unprecedented, and again, if you don't need it, why have it? Would I prefer to have at least some preseason games? Obviously, for the Bears, it would help a lot because I know they had a lot of plans, especially with the quarterback battle and everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm fine either way, two preseason games or no preseason. It doesn't matter much to me. Would you guys be surprised to learn that prior to 1978, there were six preseason games? Good Lord. I did That's, not know that. That's insane. That is way yeah. too much. There were there were six there were six preseason games uh, prior to uh, 1978. The and the reason for is in 1978 that was the first year of the 16 game schedule. So okay. in 1977 was the last year of the 14 game schedule, which is which was terrible timing for Walter Payton because Walter Payton's his MVP season where he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, including over 1,800 yards rushing, uh, in a, especially in a game where he was held to under 50 yards on the last weekend of the season when the Bears played the Giants and there was two inches of sleet on the field because the only way that the Giants figured they could beat the Bears was to stop Walter Payton. So they left the field uncovered during a sleet storm but uh, that, that's, I'll digress. But yes, prior to 1978, there was a six-game preseason slate during the 14-game schedule, which didn't happen uh, until the 60s. Before that, it was only a 12-game season. Fun, fun fact, the average salary for a player in 1978 in the NFL was $62,600 up 13.2% oh, wow. over the previous year. Now in 1978 a new car was probably 6 grand. So it <laughs> sounds like you know, it sounds like a uh, 626 that's super low, but it's not anywhere near where it was where it is today when we're talking about Patrick Mahomes making 45 million dollars a year. The highest paid quarterback in 1978 was Fran Tarkenton 
$360,000 a year, and running back was the highest paid player for $733,400. And who was that? None other than Orenthal James Simpson. Oh, Jay Simpson, okay. Yep. Good old the juice. <laughs> juice making juice pulling down a, almost a mill in 78. I was one. <laughs> How you like that? Hey, in 1978, I bought my very first brand new car. It was a 1978 Chevy Caprice Classic. It was $8,600 out the door, tax title license. I bought right down the street from where you live at Bigger Chevy in Elgin. There you go. <laughs> nice. That was a boat. <laughs> oh, man, it was great. Two doors. I mean, it, it had just about every option you could have. The only thing I didn't order on it was a, uh, a factory-installed radio because I put a Pioneer Super Tuner in it. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so uh, the interesting thing about this NFLPA uh, stop trying to stop the preseason. I think it it opens up the league to an 18 game season with two bye weeks going forward after after they uh, get these two new playoff teams in the mix for uh, for this season. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting and and I think a, an 18 game schedule fits a lot better than a 17-game schedule because of how they can mix and match the the, the uh, conference games, um, and then they can leave the 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 eight games against the other conference the way they are, just alternating uh, through one division each year, all four years. Uh, the way th- nobody knows what the 17-game schedule will will be, and quite frankly, I think it'll be a fiasco. Fikes, do you have any thoughts on the 16, 17, or 18 game schedule going forward? Yeah, I think you brought up a good point. Um, I honestly um, don't really uh, have a preference with uh, you know the NFL expanding to 17 or 18 games. I think uh, for me, if the players are on board, you know the NFL always talks about player safety. So if they're on board, sure, why not? Uh, I more so just like the fact that we had, you know, an extra playoff team added this year, so an extra wild card. I think that's going to be fantastic because, uh, you know, more teams are going to be playing for something later in the season, you know, versus going for like the number one pick or something like that. So to me, that's more intriguing, getting more teams chances um, as far as, uh, you know, getting into the playoffs. One of the things I like about and as Aaron mentioned earlier in the show, we've talked a lot about what the league did with the flexibility in, in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, they literally can start in week five. So the, the very first game played would be Tampa and Tom Brady at Chicago on Thursday night uh, and still have a 14-week season, which was uh, interesting when you take a look at the schedule. But we've, we've talked about that in other shows and Fize, if you haven't heard it, I can go over it with you uh, sure. another time. But uh, and I'd love to. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting to to note that that the the schedule um, is backloaded with division games, which I really uh, loved seeing what they did. 
Um, in fact, the the Bears only play I think one one division game in the, in the entire first half of the season. Oh wow, I, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good that's a good point. I didn't even know about that. The fact that uh, the NFL could do that with the Bears and the Bucks, be, uh, having them start there. So yeah, no, that's a great point. So in fact, I've got the schedule pulled up on uh, the Bears website right now. So um, week one, obviously they play Detroit. Uh, they don't play another division team until week ten where they oh, play wow. host to the, the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a Monday night game in Chicago. Uh, and then they play, they have their bye week. Then they play Green Bay. They play Detroit. Then they play Houston. Then they're, they're at Minnesota, at Jacksonville. And then they finish the season at, at, uh, with Green Bay in Chicago. Uh, that game, if there are fans allowed, for our listeners, uh, jump on to uh, your Twitter feed and, and tell all of your bear friends to follow Halitech Hall because our sponsor, TickSplits.com, is giving us two tickets to the Bears home game against the Packers. Now, if there are no fans allowed in the, in the seat in this January, those tickets will be good for the 2021 season whenever the Bears play the Packers in Chicago. Uh, but Fies, getting back to, to our point, uh, I really like the fact that the, the season is backloaded with divisional games. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, it lets the Bears kind of get the rough part of their schedule maybe out um, earlier, and then you have a lot of these division games. I always say division games are so tricky because I feel like the opponents know each other so well. Uh, but obviously, I think with the NFC North, uh, it's probably one of the few divisions where I don't think it improved much outside of, you know, and I might be biased, obviously saying the Bears improved the most. So I think the Vikings got worse. I think the Packers, if, if you don't think they got worse, they, they stayed where they were. And then um, the Lions, I think, was maybe marginal improvement. So I think those division games, having us having those being backloaded could uh, help, out, help out the Bears. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of, of the schedule, here's the, the crucial part is week seven, eight, nine, and 10 before mm -hmm. their bye week. So those four games, you're at the Rams, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they, you know, they probably didn't get any, any better losing Gurley. Uh, you and Cooks. Exactly. Uh, but then you, you have the Saints at, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Then you play at Tennessee, and, you know, Tennessee, um, you know, they finished with a flurry, mm -hmm. made it all the way to the, the conference championship game, and had a 20-point lead uh, <laughs> before before Kansas City worked their, their miracle. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've, got, then you've got Minnesota. So that, it's that four-game stretch that I, I believe is critical. Uh, the, the first six games, you know, when you take a look at them, Fies, they're all winnable. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, last year at this time, uh, we were, both Aaron and I were drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, we both went to the 100-year uh, thing in Rosemont, uh, had a blast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and we both, you know, and, and he lives in, in Skokie. I live in Wisconsin. 
Um, so we don't talk about this, our show, other than we put an agenda together a day or two beforehand. And we both literally said the Bears record was going to be 13 and three um, it, because we were optimistic. We yep. were optimistic. We thought that, that you know, we were reading the, the, all the press clippings saying that, that Trubisky was going to take that step forward. And we'll talk about Mitch here in just a minute. Uh, but he didn't. Our offensive line fell apart. Our defense lost critical members uh, in, the, in the front seven. And they still were two plays away from being 10 and 6. And they finished 8 and 8. You know, you take the missed field goal against the, the Chargers. The Chargers, yep. And, and you take the running into the kicker penalty uh, in London against the Raiders. And you reverse those two. And, and there you have a 10 and 6 record with a terrible offense. Yeah, and with no, all, go, ahead. With all, go ahead. Go ahead, Feist. No, I was just going to say, you, you nailed it, because everything that could go wrong went wrong with the Bears last year, and we finished 8 and 8. Like, I think it was a minor miracle the Bears still finished 500 with all of the things you mentioned. And I, and I, I, I would even add Matt Nagy's, um, you know, awful play calling at times, which I thought was pretty spotty. Um, you know, you mentioned, obviously, us losing Akeem Hicks. Um, you know, the, the run game was not working because our offensive line can run block. So, yeah, uh, two plays away from being 10 and 6, I think a lot of teams would take that um, over what their current situation would be. So uh, I think that's spot on. Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't. I don't think this team is that far away. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, again, I'm not going to uh, I can't I can't let myself get to that level of, of hype that we did <laughs> last year because it's a self-preservation act. Um, I'm still in a state of uh, mild post-traumatic stress disorder, not to not to make light of that disorder. But um, <laughs> I over over the way that 2018 ended, much less the way that 2019 unfolded. I mean, to to go from the high of 2018 and all those amazing wins to the low of Cody Parkey and the double doink, and then to ramp yourself up to this fever pitch, and then to have it literally ripped away in the first game of the year and that's how it feels in retrospect that it was basically over after the first half of the first game last year it felt and the now all after all of that i still don't think they're that far away i just don't um despite the quarterback questions and there are more questions now than answers um at quarterback so I still think they're very close. Um, that could just be totally uh, myopic on my part, but we've talked to lots of lots of reasons why why they are, and obviously the defense is a huge one. And it's a comfortable old pair of shoes at this point, where you know, defend, depending on the defense and uh, not really being able to depend on the quarterback. So same as it ever was. <laughs> Hey, hey, Fies, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw something out, uh, <laughs> out to you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, um, 
when they announced that Arlington Park was going to be open for um, for horse racing here mm -hmm. shortly. Um, I think it was Brian Hanley uh, put out in a in a tweet that. Uh, um, the, the talk at Arlington Park is more that the Bears would soon be moving out there. And that sparked a huge interest. And uh, there were, I think, BearReport.com did an article about it. Um, I know the uh, Windy City Gridiron did an article about it. Uh, we talked about it here on this show. Um, what are your thoughts about the Bears moving a little bit closer to Streamwood in Arlington Park? Uh, I think that would be a good idea. I know that a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people like obviously that watch my channel, they, they, a lot of them are, are, are fans that go to training camps and stuff. And I think they, they've said because of the where the Bears do their training camp and how sometimes it gets difficult for them to, you know, get all the way out there. I think uh, moving closer to kind of, you know, where I feel like a lot of fans could potentially be, it's never going to be a bad idea. So I think uh, I think I'd be okay with that, and I think that's something that the Bears uh, would probably benefit from. Here's my my thoughts on on the stadium issue. Uh, I would I would love to see uh, a new stadium along the lakefront. Oh, absolutely. The, the, absolutely. the perfect the perfect spot for it would literally be just south of the Buckingham Fountain mm -hmm. in what is now Grant Park where all those softball fields are. The acreage there is, is probably um, 150% of the mm -hmm. acreage that now makes up what where Soldier Field is located. Um, yeah, you wouldn't have Grant Park and places for softball and Lollapalooza and any of that stuff for a couple of years, but then you, you get rid of Soldier Field, you leave the columns, which is what everybody wanted in the first place, yeah. and you build a park within that area, and having the columns as a backdrop for your softball games would be incredibly huge. You've got plenty of parking with the indoor parking lots. Uh, you're still within walking distance of the parking lots uh, that, are, that are along the, uh, uh, I believe it's the red line, in fact, that's where I met Aaron for the first time when the Bears played the Packers in 2018. Uh, we were at a little parking lot along that uh, uh, was underneath one of the one of the L tracks, and uh, uh, so there's still plenty of room for tailgating. You still have the lots along uh, by the museums, uh, by the museum center, uh, where where Adler Planetarium is, and the uh, uh, you know the new uh, a concert venue that's out on uh, Northerly Island. So there's still a full load of parking there. Um, and I think that a state-of-the-art retractable roof stadium that could attract not only the Bears, but but bowl games, mm -hmm. all-star mm -hmm. games, uh, you know, the, the games, that, you know, high school games that, you know, the city championships that they want to have, um, you know, you could have a, a Windy City Bowl on, on New Year's Day that they've never had, they've been able to have. Uh, NBA or NCAA uh -huh. Final Fours, political national conventions could all be there. The revenue would just absolutely boggle the mind for Chicago. But if we don't talk about politics on this show, 
But I will say that that it'll never happen because Chicago politics will screw it up. So I think that that displays and where where Arlington Park is because the future of of horse racing is in severe doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, is is probably the thing the place to be. Yeah, I actually want to get your guys' input on this because I've been calling for the Bears to get a new stadium for the longest time. And here's the pushback I always get with Soldier Field. Uh, Obviously, the history there and whatnot. But the fact is, the Bears, when we get to December, you know, the late months of the year when it's cold and that cold favors our team, the defense. You know, I think uh, in 2018, uh, we beat the Rams here in Chicago, and that was a— a lot of it was attributed to the fact that I felt like the Rams didn't know how to play in cold weather. So if we, if the Bears were to get a new stadium or a retractable roof, sort of like Detroit has with Ford Field in Minnesota, I think with their new stadium, would but you neither, guys? Neither of those stadiums are retractable. Oh, roof. neither. They're, but they're closed. Closed are, aren't they? Yeah, they're 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 yeah they're they're, they're just closed. closed. Okay, they're they're, they're just, not retractable. They're just closed. But so how how yeah. do you guys feel about that? Um, would you guys be open to it uh, to to give up that element of weather that Chicago has in December versus other teams? In a heartbeat, <laughs> I would absolutely give it up. In a heartbeat, and and I don't even go to the games that often. <laughs> I like I it's it. it. Sorry, like you can. Go ice skating in the park if you want to freeze your butt off. If I'm going to pay $200, $300 to see a football game, I want to be in the most luxurious arrangement possible. <laughs> like you, you, The NFL is trying to get people off of their couches where they have everything at their disposal. They have the enormous screens, 4K, mm-hmm. Twitter, you know, um, every food and drink you could want and they're you know they're trying they've got to sell a fan experience now ironically soldier field was voted number seven in a poll of the top 10 best stadiums in the league oh wow now it is a beautiful picture it's an amazing photo soldier field looks amazing with the backdrop of the city Grant Park is unbelievable. Millennium Park is unbelievable. Maggie Daly Park, all of it. Beautiful. Best skyline in the country by far, not even close. The park there is amazing. To go to a game, (laughs) on the other hand, is an ordeal for the amount of money that it costs to go to. Just getting in and around, out of the stadium, it's just an ordeal, and you add the weather into that. I mean, I just see these new stadiums and how nice they are, and you know, and then you factor in the fact that you could have the Final Four, the National Championship games, Super um, Bowl, Super Bowl for cripes' sake, yeah. you know. But unfortunately, if you know anything about the history of this of this team and the way that ownership has has had to deal with the politicians and vice versa. It's it's just so unlikely, you know, because we it took you know heaven and earth and a, and a hail mary from a guy named, you know, Ted Phillips, <laughs> to to figure out how to get the crappy stadium deal they have done now. So I just 
as much as I love to talk about it and love to fantasize about it, I just don't think it's going to happen. And that being said, I preferred the old Soldier Stadium, Soldier Field. To personally, I just thought it felt like a much more fun experience than the current Soldier Field. Like, you know, if you're going to go to kind of a, a, a cool looking old stadium, it might as well be old and you feel like all the fans are really together. And so, I mean, if, you know, I just don't think it was an improvement uh, for the fan experience. Well, I, I was a season ticket holder back at the old Soldier Field. So let me throw this out. Um, in the south end zone, uh, behind the south end zone, still stands the the seating area uh, where the the bowl, the new Soldier Field, sits within. So imagine how far away those those top level seats of the south end zone were in compared to where the seatings now uh, for the new Soldier Field. There's not a bad seat in Soldier Field. And I don't know, Fies, have you been to a, a, a game at the new Soldier Field? Not the new Soldier Field. I haven't been in a while. Have you, have you, were you ever at the old one? That, no. You gotta be, not, that's 2001. Yeah, no, I haven't been to the old uh, So, no, I thought you were talking about the old one. No, I, I haven't gone. So the you have, new one I have, I've been to a, a, a preseason game, but that's about it. Okay. So, um the problem with Soldier Field is it's too damn small. Yep. It's the smallest stadium in the National yep. Football League, which is a disgrace to have the smallest seating capacity when you're the charter franchise of the entire freaking league. And the reason it's as small as it is is because of what politicians did to the Bears to shoehorn them into Soldier Field, and that's about as big as they can make it. Yeah, I I, I completely echo those thoughts, Mike, because um, I want to have Super Bowls hosted here. I want to have so many things hosted here, but Soldier Field is just tiny. It's tiny. It's not even com- comparable to these other uh, massive stadiums. And to answer your question uh, earlier, yeah. Yeah. I have I have no problem with with a retractable roof on that stadium and, and unless it's raining or snowing, yeah, let the elements in. You know, it, it, it's not too often where you get bitter, bitter, bitter cold days. Uh, in December, you get some. Uh, but if you've got a retractable retractable roof on that stadium, that just covers the seating area. How much wind is going to get into that stadium on a on a day when it's 25, 30 mile an hour winds? You just won't. Right. So you put the roof on when you have to, but leave it off if you can. That's fair. Well, let's be honest. Anymore, there December, November, and December are really not that bad here. No, like, they're not. You're, like you're the, absolutely the, right. The, like it, it's it's really January, January and February, February that are the, that are the serious like winter months. I mean, hell, when we want when we saw them win the division on December, uh, in middle of December against the Packers in eighteen, I was like in short sleeves for most of that game because I because 
what were we in the south end zone uh uh, Mike, in that game, because I know we were in the same section. Uh, I we were in the north end zone. Okay. We were, we well, were we were in. Out. Remember how much sun that was that game? That game, we were in the sun the whole game. Like it was unbelievable. It was the middle of December. Like I was like it was like a some sort of dream, you know. And so yeah, I mean that, that's the thing is like this whole bear weather concept is just sort of like whatever, man. Like I, <laughs> so, you know. Hey, I know our listeners can't see this, but. But Fies, can you mm-hmm. see my video feed? Yes, I can. Okay, so um, I'm gonna see if I can't do something here. There we go. So it takes me three hours to get to Soldier Field from where I live. Mm-hmm. And if you, can you see my yeah. wall? Wow, yeah, I, okay. I definitely see it. So Man there, that's a 65-inch t- screen TV, okay. a, a fireplace, and Love then that. here's here's my inf- my stuff for the for the, the 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 Cubs and the Blackhawks. Oops. I got a bar. I I have a golden doodle that will always <laughs> be in my room with me. Okay. Um, and then so so I ask you this. Yeah. Why would I want to leave this room? <laughs> To go to a game when there's when it's snowing like hell yeah. and it's 20 below zero with the windshield, why would I want to leave this room? And that's what the league is facing. The the league is facing these challenges, and that's why the stadium experience they've they've invested so much to to make the state you know being there. And there, and I have to tell you, uh, this will be the first year since the Bears played in Champaign that I have not been to a Bears game in person. Wow. Okay. But obviously, is that mainly due to the the pandemic, or would you have gone if it wasn't for that? Well, I would would go to at least one to keep the streak alive. But, yeah, because (laughs) it's definitely because of the pandemic. I I just don't – you know, I've been blessed to to live in in a county where there's been one death. Okay. You know, so – um, to, I don't want to venture down to Chicago. I, yeah. I just, I just don't, you know, there's, there's no reason for me to go to Chicago because the, the restaurants are closed. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the skyline is great, but you know, I, I grew up down there. I've seen it a thousand times. I've been to hundreds of bears games. I can miss one year because of this virus. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. And, and it's funny, um, even before this virus thing, I've had, um, you know, Bears tickets offered to me, but they've been like, you know, it could be like nosebleeds and like very far off. And I, I, I'm okay sitting in my home and watching on my, you know, TV on my couch. I'll take that. At that point, I don't know how, how great the experience is if, you know, if I can't see that well. So, yeah, I don't blame you. And looking at that man cave, uh, I wouldn't want to leave either. The NFL is uh, competing against, uh, you know, Stuff like that. I mean, they ultimately need to, uh, you know, have to think, keep that in mind. So, I mean, the, like I said, I think, and obviously, like I said, the Bears were voted seven, number seven out of top ten. So that, you know, uh, and Chicago is a top tourist destination. So once we get back to normal, I, I just don't see the Bears building a new stadium. If anything, they'll they'll continue to uh, improve upon this one. 
you know, um, but I don't see them leaving the lakefront. Just doesn't doesn't seem like that's something that's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I I agree with you that the Bears belong in Chicago, but there's a good shot that they end up going the way the New York Giants did in, in you know moving to the suburbs. Um, you know, it's just across the river from New York, but it's East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is, you know, ironic. There was talk about the Bears going to Gary, Indiana, uh, back when they were, they were debating about whether or not they were going to renovate Soldier Field uh, in the 90s uh, or, or find something else. Displays was mentioned in the 90s. Displays was mentioned in the 70s um, when, when the Bears first moved to Soldier Field and the place was a, the place was a dump. You know, and I, I know I was there for the first game. I was a young man of, uh, what, 14 years old when the Bears played their first game at Soldier Field. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a dump, absolute dump. And, you know, they, they piece by piece, you know, they, they actually, the north end zone stands were actually the east stands at Wrigley Field. The temporary stands that they put up, they put up, they cut the, they cut Soldier Field off because Soldier Field was, was god-awful long. Uh, they used to hold car races uh, on the, the track that, that went around the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, it lined between the, the seats and, and the infield. So they had to cut that off, and, and so they moved the, the field to the south, towards the south end zone, and literally put the old Bears temporary seats that were along the were what where the right field bleachers were in that gap, and then they, they finally closed that and made it a, a, the entire bowl uh, it, it was what it was. So that's why it, it wasn't completely symmetrical. It was more rounded on the south and it was more squared off on the north. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but in, if, the, if, if the Chicago politicians screw things up, they're going to go somewhere. I hope it is displays. Uh, because uh, I, for one, wouldn't be bad because it would cut my commute by an hour each way coming to see the Bears play. Uh, hey, Fies, um, there's there was already talk this year that the Bears were going to, uh, not the Bears, but the league was going to uh, do some, some playing around with the roster. The roster is still 53, um, and you but you can take two guys – off of your practice squad, and the practice squad has been bumped from 10 to 12, uh, provided that one of those that you elevate uh, from the practice squad for game day is an offensive lineman. But I don't think it's enough. Now, there has been talk of 16. Uh, I have heard talk of 20. I have heard talk of a 60-man roster. What have you heard? So the latest I've heard was, you know, bringing guys to camp. I heard, uh, you know, they were thinking about reducing that uh, to like 80 or something like that. And I know um, I saw uh, like even Alan Robinson tweeted uh, about it, saying that uh, so many guys that, uh, you know, would normally compete for a roster spot won't even get that opportunity because of that. And it, and it didn't really make sense to me because I thought when we're dealing with a situation like this in a, in a pandemic, don't you want to have extra bodies 
in case you know people contract the virus and they have to sit out and whatnot so all this roster reduction to me and i get it you know they're trying to um you know limit the spread because they want to have less people but again it it kind of is counterintuitive because if you do have you know guys you know contracting covid and they have to miss time well you're down a, you know quite a few bodies and especially if it if it spreads throughout the locker room so to me um that's sort of what i've heard and and i wish the nfl gave a little bit more clarity on that yeah absolutely right um it, it's an, and it's a shame but you know because of this you know the entire country's in a state of flux mm-hmm. over this this entire virus and you know there, there's probably going to be, you know, a certain segment of this practice squad that's going to be isolated away from the rest of the team, yeah. um, in case somebody from the team does come down with the. And let's face it, there's going to be positives. There you will know be. Gonna, it, you know what's going to happen. So, um, you know, it, it, as much as we're dying for the league to do something, I can understand why they their hands are really tied when it comes to this, uh, with, with the roster size. The idea that they would they would shrink the roster, though, it just seems so... Yep. Like, I, I almost feel like sometimes the league does this on purpose where they, where they float these sort of extreme ideas just to gauge a reaction, and they know that they're not really going to the negotiating <laughs> table with this stuff, but they're kind of sending out a little boat and see what happens. Well, you know, and if it air- comes back full of arrows, then they know, you know, <laughs> so it's like a negotiating ploy. It could be, but I think this is this is COVID related, and what they're right. saying is is they're not going to bring the full complement of 90 players. For and there's for there's probably some good reasons for that. So let's let's take a look at those reasons. If they how many of those players are going to get reps that they really need to show what they can do with a shortened preseason and zero preseason games? So, yeah. you know, you need enough guys uh, to, to get your reps in for both first string and second string. So that's, that's a, but that's only 44. Right. You've got two, you got two kickers, you got a punter, you got a holder. Well, and let's so be honest. I mean, you and I picked the whole damn roster already, and it's going to be 95% correct, like what we already just said, and we're not professionals. So, I, you know, I didn't think about it that way. But, yeah, I mean, there's if that, it could be better in a sense with this scenario for the real core players. Let's say we went to 75 or whatever um, invitees to camp or, you know, 60. I mean, really, are we are we really thinking that you know we're missing out on some of these guys? The Bears are not going to have guys who you know who just shock you and make this roster and 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 end up getting a ton of playing time. This roster is pretty much set. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, I didn't really think about it that way. Um, and it could actually lead to more important reps for the real core players and the coaches have less to worry about, you know, they're managing like two full squads. Yeah. And, and the core players are going to need the most reps during right. this, this unusual to say the least 
preseason. Vice, your thoughts? Totally agree. I totally agree. Um, you know, the players are going to need the reps, but then if you don't have preseason games, how are they going to get the reps? So to, to Aaron's point, I think our roster is pretty much set and I don't think it's changing much only because there won't be opportunity for guys to, to showcase that it needs to change. You know, I think one of the biggest surprises is going to come from the running back position. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's, who's your third running back? You know, is it going to be Ryan Nall? Is it going to be Napoleon Maxwell? Or is it going to be Artavis Pierce? I've heard a lot of talk about Artavis Pierce, and he's actually personally my my guy to win that job. Um, I've never been a Ryan Nall guy. I, I just don't see anything special about Ryan Nall, and I think Artavis Pierce has something about him that uh, he he's got he's got some explosive ability there where I think he can at least do something. Ryan Nall to me is just like a plotter, if you will. So um, I, I have Artavius Pierce as the number three back one in that job. Yeah, I agree with you. We kind of had the same feeling. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on the, the Ryan Nall uh, express anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I, I also don't want to lose another guy. You know, we lost Kareth White to the Steelers because you know, we're what I don't know what we were doing, but we had, you know, we got this roster, and you lose a guy who looks like could be a, re, a type of replacement for Tariq Cohen um, when he gets over the Steelers. So, you know, you look at Artavis Pearson, and, uh, you know, he, he looks like he could be that guy. I, Ryan Nall, I mean, I feel like there's 25 Ryan Nalls in the Big Ten right now. <laughs> And you could you could go like you could literally probably go to any Big Ten campus and just pick a guy like that. I know he didn't play in the Big Ten. He also played at Oregon State, ironically, where Travis Pierce played. But I mean, that's just he's just not a special player. Like he doesn't do anything special on special teams, you know. So yeah, I don't I don't you know I know Bears fans love to jump on you know their own little. Uh, pet players, you know, especially if they're goofy looking white guys, they love to jump on those guys and root for them on. Um, and that's Ryan Nall. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Speaking of Bears Twitter, um, the, the there was a, a, a sudden outcry uh, on Bears Twitter saying, should the Bears trade for Raheem Mostert? because he has now requested a trade from the 49ers earlier today. Uh, and I just had to sit back and laugh because you know, he was on the, the, the roster for the Bears, was on the practice squad in, in 2016, and it took him an additional you know, four seasons to blossom into you know, a, a very impactful running back, and he's now wanting to be paid in the same neighborhood as the other guys on the, the as, as running backs, and that's the neighborhood of $4.4 million. And he's not making anywhere near that. So let me throw it out to both of you guys. If the, if the Bears uh, offered a, a sixth round uh, to, the, to the 49ers for, for uh, Raheem, would you take him? Um, I guess I'll just start real quick and I'll say this. I've never been a fan of paying running back. So I know he's just looking to get paid. So right off the bat, that kind of makes me a little, um, sour that, you know, we, yeah, he, he'd definitely be an upgrade and, and 
just back to our point about, you know, the Bears running back situation, I wanted them to bring in a running back. I wanted them to bring in, you know, maybe a Devontae Freeman, although he's probably looking for money too, or even Lamar Miller. But I don't want to pay a lot of money to that position. So to, to answer your question, Mike, about Raheem Mostert, um, I, I lean uh, you know, somewhere in the middle, but probably more towards no. I just, I really like David Montgomery, and and, and I think he's our future running back. I want a guy who's more depth than anything, and if Raheem Mostert wants to come in, and he's going to want to have starter-level snaps, I think that could be uh, uh, bad to take away from David Montgomery, but that's just, you know, what I think. So. Aaron, do, we, do we bring him back, Aaron? No, no. <laughs> Literally every player that gets released, Bears Twitter's like, should the Bears bring him in? Uh, um, Josina Anderson said this Bears watching. We better, we, what does that mean? Like, stop. Like, uh, he is absolutely, he is absolutely a product of that system. Not saying he's not talented, but. Any, this is why the 49ers are not going to pay him because literally any running back that they put in that system is going to run the ball like that. He may not have those big games or whatever the case may be. You know, not to say that Mostert is some bum, but he is not a $5 million running back off of that one season. Like, you know, they, they have the offensive line and the scheme and the, and the insane blocking tight ends and they have everything they need to, to put whatever running back they want in there. I it just so no, like no. most, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought, I, I, thought it, I thought it would be funny to, to, to oh, bring it up since we were talking it's like, running, running backs, you know, so let's, let's, let's talk about uh, David Montgomery for a minute before we get to the, 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 uh, most important position on offense. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, about David Montgomery. David Montgomery only carried the ball 242 times. Uh, he did rush for 889 yards uh, with an offensive line that was, what, second worst in terms of missed tackles they, or missed blocks. They, they averaged almost 10 missed blocks per game. And he only averaged 3.7 uh, yards per attempt, but he was what second in terms of running rookie running backs with six touchdowns. If he would have just averaged 4.5 yards per carry against a behind a decent offensive line, he rushes for 1,100 yards last year. So to your point, Fies, I think you're you're spot on with your assessment of David Montgomery. And I think he's going to have a hell of a year in 2020. Yeah. He's actually my, uh, my breakout guy for the bears. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on record for this. So I'll just plant my flag here that I think David Montgomery is going to just break out this year. Um, yeah. Like last year, he literally would make holes where there weren't any holes. I'm talking about the run blocking was so bad. And, and I'm just like, how, how did David Montgomery, you know, get out of there? So, the fact that he was even able to put up close to 900 yards was a, a minor miracle. And yeah, poultry 3.7 yards per carry. But yeah, you just put that up to 4.2, 4.5. You're you're a thousand yard plus receipt rusher. Um, I compare him to somebody like Josh Jacobs in Oakland. Josh Jacobs got the same workload. I think he had 242 carries. He just averaged a higher yards per carry 
and he had over 1,100 yards. And we saw the Raiders were decent because Josh Jacobs was a big part of their success. So I, I want the Bears to run the football more, uh, regardless of who the starting quarterback is. David Montgomery should be the guy we feature on offense. Obviously, that's not to take away from Allen Robinson, but I'm just saying I think he breaks out this year. If the Bears had won 10, 11, 12 games last year, the, the narrative about David Montgomery would be his solid rookie campaign. The yep. fact that they were so bad on offense last year and they went 8-8, eight and eight, that's why everybody's saying this. I mean, and they, they went a little too far in hyping him, which is, they just went a little crazy with it, you know, um, which is kind of a problem that the Bears have. We, they love to hype people up and get, you know, get the PR machine working a little bit over time. And people started throwing Walter Payton around and stuff about him. And it's like, just please, like, let's not do that to anybody. That is not fair. And he's a motivated kid. And I think he is going to live up to his draft status and, and at least some of the hype, but that is so unfair what the media and, and even the team did to him putting that kind of hype on him, you know? Um, you know, so I think it, he is poised to have a breakout season, but I don't, you know, to, to call his season bad last year, like yeah, that is like number 99 on 100 on the 100 list of, of things that I was worried about last year was David Montgomery. And is he good or not? Like he was fine given everything that the total crap show going on around him. You know, <laughs> it's like he, I was like, I, it, it is not this kid's fault. You know, and so that's that's what I would say is yeah, that to me is just a, a function of the of the performance of the team, uh, our critical eye on that. You know, and Tariq Cohen didn't there was no help from Tariq last year. He he was kind of a no show in the in the entire offense. He he dropped a lot of passes. Uh, he, yeah, ran he, had, out, he, he, had he ran out of bounds. He had 79 catches. He just kept getting the ball thrown to him when he had no chance to do anything with it. When you know, and he and 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 I gotta defend Tariq on this because he did have a lot of drops, but he also made some ridiculous catches on some horrible passes, like bailing Mitch out a lot. And he honestly should have dropped because they were behind the line of scrimmage. But he he turns completely spins his body around and half lays out to make a catch, and then unfortunately he made the mistake a lot of times, like you said, Mike, of running out of bounds. Um, you know, I think we're gonna see if we if they can run plays for Tariq that are the right plays. I'm talking about power run sweeps, toss sweeps, not these herky jerky RPO, you know, shotgun runs. If they can actually do that for him, and I don't mean getting 20 carries a game, he needs about 10 carries a game, you know, uh, and then, and then you know uh, maybe five to 10 targets. Then then I think he's going to have a very productive season. He's in a contract year. Um, if if Mitch or Foles or whoever is the quarterback can just put the ball on him and allow him to make a play, he's done it and he can do it. I mean, even Chase Daniel had a better sort of uh, chemistry with, with Tariq a lot of times where, you know, they seem to be able to run that wheel play and, and sort of. So I feel like it, it's a shame that Tariq gets as much of the blame as well, because if he just 
you know, like if he just manages a, a, to to have a better yards per catch average and his yards per catch average was comically low for 79 catches. I mean, he's another guy that we're talking about having, you know, a big season, but I just feel like he constantly was put into a into a position by this offense and this offensive line to fail. You know, when you when you mentioned, you know, Cohen's statistics, he only averaged nine touches per game. And Which is just not enough. Right. Well, then we just didn't have the damn ball. Like I was looking at the – we were third in the league in time of possession in 2018. And last year they were like 18th in the league in time of possession. You know, and in 18, the Bears had the lead all the time. And in in 19, they barely ever had the lead. So yeah. – it's it's just, it, you know and that and that affects the defense and people want to go and rail on on how the defense wasn't as good as it was. Well, they were still number four in scoring and number eight in yards allowed. Like, what more can you ask when Akeem Hicks misses eleven games for this defense to have done? You know, and yeah, still and he people... really he really missed twelve because he was pretty right. much a non-factor in the one game he came back for. Right, exactly. So it's it's kind of, you know I mean we just. Sometimes Bears fans just sort of like gnaw everything down to the bone, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone. But you know, I just think it's it's not uh, it's not fair the way we we just start to rip every single thing apart when when it doesn't you know go our way. Absolutely, we've been talking with uh, with Faisa Garashi from Faisa Sports Talk. His YouTube channel, you've got to check it out because he is absolutely amazing with his Bears knowledge uh, and his fantasy football, which is something we don't talk about too much on on this show. Uh, in a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Feist came out with a, with a YouTube segment about our quarterback that we love to hate and hate to love, uh, the one and only Mitch Trubisky. Uh, several weeks ago, Fies, uh, it, it came out that, that he'd been working, he being Mitch Trubisky, had been working with a lot of his receivers and running backs um, and tight ends, um, working out daily. We haven't heard any of that talk ever since that story broke. And one of the things that, that came out in the very last reporting that I, that I saw was he was working with with a quarterback guru, um, and I believe his first name is Jeff Jeff Christensen. Uh, and then your segment on YouTube uh, was uh, his his working with a with a a company that, quite frankly, I had never heard of until I saw your YouTube mm-hmm. um, post ab- about this particular uh, company and. Uh, I want you to, to spend some time talking about uh, the, the shoulder uh, instability that uh, they, they diagnosed and what they did to fix it. Sure. So a lot to unpack here. Let me start with the training that you mentioned. So um, really what uh, my video was about was uh, Mitch uh, had begun working with uh, this company called Spear Training, and they had made a post on Instagram about Mitch training with them. And I thought it was interesting in the caption, 
Um, they talked about, oh, you know, Mitch has made phenomenal gains this offseason, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm only saying that because obviously they're going to say good things about Mitch and because he's he's someone that's working out there and, and it's publicity for them, I guess. But one thing that was interesting that they mentioned was that um, his throwing arm uh, was structurally imbalanced when we had first started with him from all of the overuse. So I thought that was interesting because what has been Mitch Trubisky's biggest criticism from everybody throughout his NFL career? It's been his accuracy or lack thereof. And so if you're telling me Mitch Trubisky's throwing arm has been, you know, structurally imbalanced this whole time, I, I mean, that's a big problem. Not to mention the fact that, you know, last year he was hurt with his uh, shoulder injury on his non-throwing arm. So um, I immediately just jumped on on that because I, I really wanted to know has Mitch been playing more hurt than we know and and if he has been then it could really explain a lot of the uh, you know accuracy issues so um, that's just something that I thought was very interesting I wanted to bring up to Bears fans and then just, uh, just mention the second part about the him working out with the um, with the former uh, quarterback guru I believe his name is Jeff Christensen that you mentioned. Um, he's a, he's a former QB in the NFL he, and he is considered one of the top, I think experts in proper QB technique training. Um, so Mitch has been working with him and that's, that's key because Mitch's biggest problem has also been his technique in the pocket is very sloppy. His feet are uh, never set. They're always moving everywhere. And, you know, sometimes his delivery is off. And, and I think it's all these little things that kind of lead to Mitch uh, being inaccurate and if he is able to fix all of these things I mean I guess it's a lot of, uh, in one off season but if he's able to fix that I mean it should clear up a lot of the issues but again we hear a lot of good things but nobody especially Bears fan is going to care until we see it on the field have you taken a look at Spear Training Center's uh, Facebook page no I have not checked it out so there's an actual there's some video of uh, Mitch's workouts on their their Facebook page and uh, guys like Cody Whitehair and Kevin Tolliver uh, are also um, uh, some of the athletes that the Bears have on their roster that uh, also work out at this training center called Spear Training. Uh, they're located in Vernon Hills, which is not that far away from their headquarters in Lake Forest. Oh, okay. Interesting. So yeah, um, I know Mitch is very close with Cody Whitehair, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, so it looks like, yeah, Mitch, uh, here's the thing about Mitch, man. He's been saying and doing all of the right things the entire off season. And, and, and it's, that's the frustrating part for us bears fans, because we know we've, we have a guy that, you know, says the right things. He, he's a, he's a, role model as a quarterback but again none of it matters until uh, you know he shows the adequacies on the field as a good quarterback so I guess you know you can pat him on the back for for at least you know um, not being quote-unquote a diva like some of these other quarterbacks I feel like that are out there but uh, yeah I think the biggest thing is still going to be his play on the field absolutely Aaron uh, I mean, I think it's cool. I'm I'm kind of cynical when it comes to this stuff. I really, you know, it's a commercial basically for for their training facility. Um, so it's great. I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's this PR campaign for Mitch going on right now from the team, uh, and and it's interesting. And and I'm 
uh, you know, I'm rooting for the kid. I don't think he's a bad kid. Obviously, we want him to work out. I have his jersey, blah, blah, blah. He's supposed to be rehabbing his injury. And, you know, this thing about the unbalanced shoulder, I'm like, okay. I guarantee you if they if they did a structural analysis of every shoulder in the NFL, they don't have perfect shoulders. There's guys that have, you know, half the muscle definition of Mitch. You can throw the ball ten times better. I mean, it's not like look at Aaron Rodgers. You're telling me he's got some, some perfectly sculpted, like, Adonis shoulder that's perfectly, you know, anatomically balanced. Like it's, I mean, come on. I just, I just feel like there's a lot of excuses and it's like Fize said, there's also a lot needed. And, and we just keep adding to the list for this kid of, well, if he just figures out his footwork and he just learns to step up in the pocket and he just learns to read defenses and he just becomes a master of the offense and he just, uh, structurally rebalances his shoulder and his non-throwing shoulder. And if he just runs the ball more and if he just, and if he just, and if he just, it's like, I mean, how, how could he make all these adjustments in one season? Like, and stop throwing me the Drew Brees comp. Like just stop it. Stop the Drew Brees comp. Drew Brees owns the Purdue record books. Drew Brees has records in the big 10 record books. Drew Brees was an insane college quarterback. Like, and Drew Brees was a top 15 quarterback in his first two seasons. So like, stop. He's not Drew Brees. He's not going to be Drew Brees. And it's not fair to expect him to be Drew Brees. Like just be somebody, you know, who, who you know, just be, just be the be best Mitch. Mitch you can. Yes, be Mitch. But like, it's just, I just feel like it's not even fair to the kid. Like, like just, I think, you know, at this point, and, and, and that's why I'm hoping like this is now, okay. So focus on beating Foles, just focus on beating Foles. Yeah. Stop trying to beat Mahomes. Stop trying to beat Watson. That's not happening. Beat Foles. And hopefully he can do that. And, you know, we have one good quarterback because my fear is that we have two backups right now. So let's, if we have one starter who's like unequivocally wins the job because he won it and not because it was like a war of attrition or COVID related or one guy sucked less than the other, but they both sucked. Okay, cool. Then I'm happy. Let's go to war and I'll root for whoever's factor. So you can obviously fight get an idea for who Aaron thinks is going to be the starting quarterback <laughs> for the Bears this year. Um, I think that uh, I think Mitch has the inside track and um, and when you when you listen to what not what Mitch has said, although he came out and said, you know what, I was pissed off, but mm-hmm. I was pissed off in a good way. So, and Aaron mentioned this early in the in the show that Mitch has, since he started talking a, a few weeks ago, he said the right things. Uh, who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback? I mean, uh, for me, uh, it shouldn't be much of a surprise. I've planted my flag on this. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to win the starting job. And, and some of it's, to your point, Mike, I think he's got the inside track. 
because of the fact that we've got an abbreviated offseason now. I know Nick Foles has worked with Man Nagy, so it's not like it's a completely brand new playbook, but we're talking about, you know, abbreviated offseason. He's working with the receivers. He's working with, uh, you know, everybody. And he's got that extra motivation to know that, I mean, people need to realize Mitch Trubisky's not just his career in Chicago is on the line, his career in the NFL as a starting quarterback is on the line because you get benched. Let's say he doesn't win the starting job. I mean, this could be, you know, Blake Bortles part two here. You know, he, he never finds another starting job. So I think Mitch knows all of those things are on the line. And it's not the same case for Nick Foles. We know Nick Foles is who he is at this point. And so to me, um, you add all those things up. I think Mitch is just going to, um, you know, give it his all. And I think that's going to be enough to propel him to at least win the starting job. Now, as far as him keeping it, I mean, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think he wins the starting job. When you take a look at the Bears' schedule, um, you know, and, and we went through this exercise a, a few episodes ago. Uh, who, who was our guest? Jacob Infante, I believe, was our guest when we went over uh, schedule predictions. And when you take a look at the Bears doing what they did last year, despite the fact that their offensive line was horrendous, their quarterback play was substandard, their running a game was substandard because our offensive line was so terrible. Uh, the injuries to Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan and Roquan, uh, and they still were, were two plays away from a 10-6 and six record. The fact that the Bears also, on paper, and again, it's you, you can never talk about um, weakness or strength of schedule when the, the season hasn't even started yet because you just don't the, the same one team year after year is not going to be the same team they were the, pre, the preceding year but that said uh, I don't see if, if the Bears defense can stay healthy if the offensive line uh has better production than what they did in, in 2019, uh, opening up holes for Montgomery with the addition of Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham creating a target in the middle of the field, opening up the rest of the field for their receivers like Miller and Robinson and Cohen and the speedsters that they added to the lineup in Mooney. And again, I can't see this team winning less than 11 games. Wow. Okay. So um, I, I, just, I actually just want to hear, Aaron, do you also have the Bears somewhere around there before I give my prediction? Yeah, I picked them at 11 wins. Um, okay. Despite my skepticism and, like I said, my uh, my protection of my of my own uh, emotions there, <laughs> I, still, I still can't logically – pick them winning any less than 11 or 10 games. I just think the defense is going to be that good. And, um, you know, as we were talking about before the show, I just think that our division just isn't it. Yeah. I think the Packers were, were a bad, not a bad, but were not a good 13 and three team. They were not. And I think the Vikings have not improved themselves. Um, they have, they have lost, more than they've gained. And I think the Lions, they're just still the Lions. And I just think Patricia's, I hope he stays the coach forever because he's terrible. <laughs> um, 
Like he's a he's just a <laughs> he's just a bad coach. Like, you know, I mean, thank goodness for the Lions and the Browns because we can always look to them and go, man, it could be so much worse. You know, yeah, so I just point. don't see them. I, I you know I think they're gonna they're gonna beat the Vikings twice. They're gonna beat the the Lions twice, and they're gonna probably be and they're gonna beat the Packers once. And so that's five wins right there. So I just don't, you know, I, that's what I think. And so I think, you know, they should have no trouble with the defense. If they can just score 23 or 24 points a game, 11 wins is not a problem. Okay, perfect. So uh, real quick, I'll give my prediction then. I'm not way off here. I have the Bears winning, going 10 and 6, okay? Um, and how I usually make my predictions, it's funny enough, last year I had the Bears also going 10 and 6. And you you would think, you know, coming off a 12 and 4 season, do you expect them to regress? Well, I just looked at the schedule and I, and I knew first place teams get a tougher schedule. And so I knew they would kind of, you know, um, you know, wouldn't do as well because of that. And so this year to me, um, yeah, everything goes right. The defense plays well. Nobody misses games. The Bears have the best team in the division. I I absolutely agree with Aaron. The Packers were a fraudulent. Th- that was the worst 13 and 3 team I think I've seen. They got spanked by the 49ers every time they played them. Um, so I don't I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the Packers. Um, but for me, I can't make my prediction based off everything going right. I'm kind of putting that in there where something could, you know, injuries here and there could pop up. So a little buffer for that. But uh, 10 and 6, I feel pretty comfortable about. Interesting. Uh, we've been talking to uh, to Faison Karashi uh, from Faison Sports Talk YouTube channel. You've got to check them out because I tell you what, nothing but great stuff on that YouTube channel. Faison, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Halitech Hall Show. I hope this is the first of many times. And I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, the best Italian beef in your area in Streamwood is, is uh, none other than Nana's. And uh, i tell you what, if the Bears win 11 games, uh, <laughs> you're buying. If the Bears don't win as, as many as 11 games, I'm coming to Streamwood and I'm buying Let's let's do it. And, uh, <laughs> no, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys so much. And uh, no, absolutely for sure. When the season starts, hopefully, cross my fingers here, uh, we can definitely chat again. But uh, an absolute pleasure to be on with you guys. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Faison from from Faison Sports Talk. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you have a great evening. Uh, we are going to skip our segment on on Bulldog Turner and save it for next week due to the amazing conversation we had with Fies. So, Aaron, uh, any last thoughts? No, I mean, you know, we just keep plugging away, keep uh, heading in the right direction, you know, hopefully towards this, some kind of season. I, you know, um, I, I am, I still remain hopeful because I just, I will say the NFL is a train that nobody is stopping, not, not COVID or anything. They're going to figure out a way to do this. No fans, you know, hopefully not a truncated season, but maybe, um, you know, but I, I do believe there's going to be football and, um, you know, God knows we need it. So <laughs> hopefully it happens. Well, you've got the, you've got the, Major League Baseball coming back. Their, their schedule was just released this week. 
Uh, and if you're Cub fans listening to our show, uh, it couldn't be any better opening against the Milwaukee Brewers, ending with the Chicago White Sox. And how fun would it be if that last series at the end of September has meaning for both teams? Uh, you've got the, the NBA kicking off in their bubble. You've got the National Hockey League getting ready to go to camp to, to come back for their playoffs. Uh, the Blackhawks will play uh, the Edmonton Oilers. The uh, bubble city for that uh, series actually is in Edmonton, so that's a little bit of a uh, of a, an additional hurdle that the Blackhawks will have to overcome. Uh, but uh, slowly but surely, sports is re-entering our lives, and uh, it, the world will be a better place. So with that, uh, that's that's the Halitech Hall show for this week. Uh, please uh, tell all of your friends to follow at Halitech Hall on Twitter. And as soon as we get to that 1,000th follower, uh, TickSplits.com, our sponsor, is going to be uh, allowing us to give away two tickets to the Bears-Packers game in Chicago. Uh, and it'll be either this season or next season, depending whether or not the uh, fans uh, fans will be allowed in Soldier Field by, uh, by the end of the year. So with that, uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, stay uh, in tune with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hall. And, of course, our Twitter page, uh, Halitech Hall uh, on Twitter. You can also follow Double uh, A, uh, and you can follow uh, myself at Texter420. Fies, where can we find you on, on Twitter? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's at Faizan Qureshi, so F-A-I-Z-A-N Qureshi. Um, and then I also, you can follow me on Instagram at Fies Sports Talk. All right. With that, Aaron, close us out. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate all the support and have a great week.